Welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We are so glad you've joined us and we hope you are encouraged by today's message. Watch this, Genesis 11. Everybody say meta-narrative. Genesis 3, rebellion. Genesis 6, rebellion. Now here's God again trying to, trying to bring everyone into his home, into his table. He told, he told after Noah, go throughout the earth, disperse throughout the earth, repopulate the earth, bear my name, bring my, my image, uh, 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 represent me, bear my name. But now look, Genesis 11, it said, now the whole earth had one language and the same words. Interesting, one language, same words. This means just they were on one mindset. They were on one system, okay? It says, as the people migrated from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. And they said to one another, come let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and bitumen for mortar. Very interesting. If you study that, that type of mortar, if you want to call the, 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 the sealer of the bricks, the idea there is that it was floodproof. So they're trying to protect themselves against another judgment from God. We know how to build something now that can withstand the judgment of God. Look what they say. They said, look, come let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens. And look, let us make a name for. So it's not about his name. It's not about his holy name. It's not about bearing his image or bearing his reputation. It's not about dispersing throughout the earth and bringing the name of God in a way of honor and imaging him. No, no, what, 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 let's all come together. Let's try, let's try to proof ourselves, insulate ourselves from any judgment. Forget his name. We're gonna build a name. It says, let us make a name for ourselves. Look, lest we be dispersed. In other words, unless we do what, lest we have to do what God says. He told them to be dispersed. Lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. This was Babel, okay? Here's what I'm setting up for you in this meta narrative, okay? This was the first, if you want to call it an anti Eden system a system of chaos. It goes on later in the Old Testament. Now it's not just Babel, it's actually Babylon. It is this system that is anti-Eden, anti-Zion, anti-Christ, anti-the people of God. It's not at all about God's name. It is just the opposite. It is about our name. And supernatural kind of give you the cosmic overview of all that with the principalities and powers of the air. But this is where, when you're reading the Bible, and we're gonna look at this in Revelation 19, when you see this imagery of, of mystery Babylon or the harlot of Babylon, this, this, this Babylon imagery, okay, what it's talking about, here's where it originated. It's talking about a system, the systems that are against God, against God's people, against Eden. They are anti-Eden. They don't want the chaos reversed, they want the chaos established. Are you following me? This is the world system. This is why the Bible says don't love the world or the things of the world. It's talking about this system. 
For everything in the world, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life, that's not of the Father. That's from the enemy. It's this system. It's this system of mixture. It's a system of deception. It's a system that tries to keep God's children in bondage. It is enticing. It's what the world does. That's why Jesus said, you know what? Broad is the gate. Wide is the road that leads to destruction. Many are going to go in that way. Narrow is the way that leads to life. Few there be that find it. And I think a lot of times we look at this earth, this small humanity, this whatever we have, you know, however long we've been here in, 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 in this context, you know, this six, 7,000 years, and we think, well, you know, God, you know, God wants more people in heaven than, than people outside of his presence. Well, well, obviously that's true, but we need to understand that the, the purpose of this age, watch, Jesus is raising a family that can be not only redeemed, but resurrected and transformed into his image to be like him, to rule and reign with him in establishing the new Eden. He's looking for an A-team. When the earth repopulates itself through the millennium in the new age, there's gonna be billions and billions and billions of humans and whatever other creatures that, that serve God. Listen, in the end, God's gonna have, if you wanna say all the numbers he wants, that's not the purpose for this time. This time is the reversal of the chaos that was introduced in Genesis you say, why did God allow all this mess in the first place? Because God would rather have humans in his family than have no humans at all. He'd rather put up with all the evil and still have for a short time and still have family than not created us at all. Free will, your choice, it's one of God's greatest attributes. And to be made in his image means that we have that. We have the freedom to participate or not participate. We have the freedom, what system are we gonna choose to be a part of? What kingdom are we gonna choose to be a part of? Are you following me? Okay, go to Revelations 19. Now, before I read this, I wanna be very clear, okay? Look at someone near you and say, it's gonna be okay. The reason I'm saying that is this, and I will be the first one to, before my encounter with Jesus, I will be the first one to own up to, I did not declare to you the whole counsel of God. And I made too much of my ministry about just personal needs and not about a full representation of who Jesus really is and what the purpose of his second coming is and things like that. So this is very, very important because it is out there everywhere, okay? And you hear this all the time. You know, God doesn't judge. God doesn't judge. You know, Jesus gives us grace. He doesn't judge. Let me, let me say this. Jesus gives us grace, he doesn't judge yet. 
He's not returning as the lamb that was slain. He's returning as a conquering king, as a divine warrior. And watch this, all even believers, not that judgment, all believers, the Bible says, we're gonna appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Now watch, it's not gonna be about our sins. Our sins are forgiven. You know what it's gonna be about? It's gonna be about our stewardship. Did we demonstrate? I'll show you the, 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 the scriptures all through there. He says, behold, I come quickly to reward each person according to their deeds. He's not talking about forgiveness. He's talking about stewardship. He's talking about demonstration. He's talking about loyalty. So watch, understanding judgment, this is very important. Mercy and judgment are two sides of the same coin. You know what that coin is? Love. God's love. How many of you want uh, racism to end? How many of you want slavery and human trafficking to end? How many of you, all those, the, it's almost gonna be 50,000 kids, many AIDS orphans in Zimbabwe that through your giving, we feed them every single day, Monday through Friday. How many of you want that kind of pain and world hunger to end? How many of you want oppression to end? All the, the vile, evil, abuse, like the things we, the, the, the millions and multiplied millions of acts that are gonna go on around the world in the 90 minutes while we were here together. Horrific, act, horrific acts against children. How many of you want that to end? I'm all for, we support them. I'm all for all of the end it, campaigns, but we better be very, very careful because the only way it will end is when the king of kings fully in. We fight against it. We want justice. We, we support. We feed kids. We rescue people out of human trafficking. We stand up for what's right. But the only way that it's finally going to end is when the king returns and he comes and he brings judgment and righteousness in the earth. He judges all things that are against loving one another. Do you see? What about God's grace? You know what God's grace is? Think of it this way. When God's love connects with a human, it has to convert into grace so we're not incinerated. We're human, we have to have grace. That's why Jesus was, he says he's full of grace and truth. He what? He dwelt among us. Oh my goodness, God came to the humans. He better be full of grace because that God is so holy and so divine and so magnificent. The, the, the humanity, the frailness, the sinfulness, we can't even be in his presence. Can you thank God for the power of the blood of Jesus that washes us and brings us into the divine presence? Okay, so it's important to understand what judgment is for. It's to end all things that are working against love, loving one another. And this is the other thing with that. It's very important 
that we never step into the place of God and decide that we think that we know what love is better than the God who is love. And that's what, there's a whole lot going on. Well, we think love means this, and we'll just disconnect from the Old Testament because, you know, God seems mean there. Listen, Jesus said, Jesus says, I'm the same today, yesterday, and forever. Do you see? All the imagery in Revelation comes out of several passages of the Old Testament. Yes, God is love. God is about family. Let me ask you this. How many of you, let me see married couples with kids. Let me see married couples with kids. So watch this. What if you had a kid or a person come into your home and they were working against your parental direction? They were doing things to your kids. They were, they were bringing their way into your home, hurting your marriage, hurting your kids. Would you eventually if they didn't repent, come into the love and direction of your leadership as parents for the betterment of the family, wouldn't you eventually ask them to leave your house? It's outside the camp. Do you see? What judgment, when judgment, the final judgment, when Jesus returns, we're either gonna be in the camp we're going to be outside the camp. Are you following me? Okay. So judgment. The other thing is this. I've said this. Demonstrating reversal. How do we partner with God to reverse the chaos? It's about demonstration. Okay. Okay. Let me read this. I've got five minutes. Can y'all roll with me? After this, I heard what seemed to be the loud voice of a great multitude in heaven, crying out, hallelujah. Everybody say hallelujah. hallelujah. <laughs> See, we're foreshadowing. Salvation and glory and power belong to our God for his judgments are, look, true and just. He knows what love really is. He's gonna be proven to be the best leader that there ever was. He's gonna be proven every one of his judgments is true, it's right. No one's gonna be able to accuse God and say, you weren't fair and you didn't love this group of people and you didn't give this group of people an opportunity. No one will be able to raise an accusation against the king and everything will be brought into the light and everyone will say, including those that are receiving judgment, just and true are your ways, O oh Lord. You are right. Look, look, his judgments are true and just. Look, for he has judged the great prostitute who corrupted the earth with her immorality and avenged on her the blood of his servants. Once the more they cried out, hallelujah, the smoke from her, Babylon, goes up forever and ever. Don't try to say, well, is it this person or that and this country and that country and this or whatever. Just think of it, this is whatever it ends up being. This is not new, this is old. This is the anti-Eden system. The anti-Christ system. You can call it the beast system. You can call it the anti-Zion system. Call it the anti-Eden system. Call it the anti-Christ. That's what this represents. 
Okay, it says the 24 elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshiped God who was seated on the throne saying, amen, hallelujah. And from the throne came a voice saying, look, praise our God, all you, his servants. Everybody say, praise God. You who fear him, small and great. Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters, like the sound of mighty peals of thunder, crying out, hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and exalt and give him the glory. Look, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and look at this, and the bride has made herself ready. Wait a that God made us ready. God gives us the power and the grace to make ourselves ready. Do you see? The marriage supper of the lamb, do you wanna know what that is? That is the first gathering of the restored Eden from Genesis one and two, when God said, Shabbat Shalom, this is how it should be, Eden, this is my house. All of my family come together. Let's enjoy a meal with one another. Our fellowship, this is what it's all about. The creation stuff is awesome, but all the creation stuff was so that we could enjoy one another's fellowship, was so that we could be family. And part of the family left in Jesus three, oh, Jesus three, Genesis three, the family kept leaving the father, the family kept leaving the father's table. And God said, all right, nobody wants to be with me. Nobody wants to be in my house. Then I'll raise up a people and I'll whip Satan and all these fallen gods. I'll whip him with one arm tied behind my back. And I will bring the wisdom, I will bring my wisdom and, and of the ages and they will have no idea what's coming. I'm gonna start with one dude. The whole world left me at Babel? Give me Abraham. I'll start with him. You know God plus one equals the majority. That's where we get that from. He raises up a people. Jesus comes out of that lineage. The enemy can't really see what's going on. They crucified Jesus. Maybe they thought he was just gonna save Israel, the people of Yahweh, but no, the mystery of God, Jesus is actually saving the humans out of the nations that rebelled against him back in Babel. He's gonna have a people from every nation, from every tribe, from every tongue. He's gonna have Jew. He's gonna have Gentile. He is gonna have black, he's gonna have white, he's gonna have Hispanic, he's gonna have a people that will come back to his table. And when you watch, watch, when you and your family come to the table in your home and you have communion, do you know what you're prophetically saying? Lord, we plan on being at the marriage supper of the Lamb. One day we're gonna show up to this table 
and it's not gonna be this table, Lord. It's gonna be your table in the new Eden at the marriage supper of the Lamb. And until then, we're gonna proclaim your death until you come, and we're gonna demonstrate loyalty that we're part of your system, not the system of the world. That we're loyal to Jesus and no other gods. Will God get a people for himself? Will he have a bride that he can pull out of the church that will make herself ready? That's what the king wants. Does Jesus deserve a bride? Does the king deserve a bride that has made herself ready? Okay, I've got to close. Look at this. The bride's made herself ready for the fine linen. Look at this. With fine linen, bright and pure. What is the linen? The righteous what? Deeds. Demonstrations. And the angel said to me, write this, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. I don't know about you, but I'm just gonna invite myself to my own table in my own home and show God, demonstrate loyalty and say, hey, me and my family, we're gonna, we're gonna be there one day. Look at this. He says, these are the words of God. I fell down his feet to worship him, but he said to me, you must not do that. I'm a fellow servant with you and your brothers who hold to the testimony of Jesus. Worship God for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Then behold, I'm ending here. Then behold, look at this. I saw heaven open and behold a white horse. The one sitting on it is called faithful and true. And in righteousness, he judges and makes war. It's very important. Jesus is the one, you're gonna see this. He's the one who makes war. He is the one who destroys his enemies and the Babylon system and the enemies of his people. He destroys them with the word from his mouth. One word from Jesus. It's gonna be over. He's faithful and he's true. And in righteousness, he judges and makes war. He destroys, not us. His eyes are like a flame of fire. What is the, all all judgment. People are gonna have to look into his eyes. And that fire will reveal everything. On his head are many diadems, and he, I love this, he has a name written that no one knows but himself. Jewish people could tell you about that. Hashem, the name, it's too holy to utter. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood. And the name by which he is called is the word of God. Just put the, that they can study later, put the, Put the passages of, uh, of the Old Testament, the divine warrior. The, there's several scriptures that give this imagery 
of the Lord of hosts, the commander of the Lord's armies. You don't have to write it down. There's gonna be a whole page uh, on the divine warrior imagery, the Lord, the commander of the Lord's armies throughout all the Old Testament. Okay, go back. I'm almost done, look. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood and the name by which he is called is the word of God. Look at this. And the armies of heaven, everybody say, that's me. Arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. From his mouth comes a sharp sword, which is to strike down the nations. He will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God the Almighty. Look, and on his robe and on his thigh, he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Watch, and I'll, I'll get into other stuff next week. I had so much more to tell y'all. It's not only on his robe, but it's on his thigh. The name, the king, the almighty name of God, the all-sufficient, the all-sovereign, the name, the sheen, the, the shin, the shaddai, the name. But it's not just on his robe like a family crest. It's also on his thigh. Why is it on his thigh? Well, you can see this in the Old Testament, specifically when Abraham sends off the servant of his son, Isaac. Let me read it to you, and then I'm closing. It's very important. It's a great place to stop. And I got through a fourth of my message. It says, now Abraham was old, well advanced in years, and the Lord blessed Abraham in all things. Abraham said to his servant, the oldest of his household, who had charge of all that he had, put your hand under my thigh. Remember, Jesus, the name was on his thigh. He says, put your hand under my thigh that I will make you swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of earth, that you will not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites, those who were serving the, 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 the fallen lesser gods and fallen angels. You will, not, you will not take her from part of that kingdom, but look, but among whom I dwell, but I will go to my country and to my kindred and take a wife for my son, Isaac. So in ancient Hebrew, in Israel times, when you, there's a couple other times in the Bible that talk about this, okay? When you placed your hand under your father's thigh, that was the closest place that you could swear to where the seed comes from, to where the future children will come from. In other words, you're saying you're swearing not only by me, but by all of my offspring. If you don't come true, servant, if you're not faithful and true to what I'm sending you to do, it's not only going to affect me and Isaac, it's going to affect all the family and all the future family. When Jesus returns as faithful and true, and he has his name on his thigh, 
You know what he's saying? He's saying, I'm not only coming for me, I'm coming for the family, and I'm coming with the family, and every single person that has come into my family, not one will be lost, not one will be left outside of the camp, not one will not be redeemed. I'm faithful and true to my word. When Jesus returns, it's not just for him, it's for the family, for the family to rule and reign with him and establish true righteousness under the true king on the earth. I wish I had some people that were excited about being part of the family of God. You're born from the incorruptible seed. You purify yourself by obeying the truth. I'm asking you to demonstrate, 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 and see heaven coming to your earth. Thank you for tuning in to today's podcast. For more information about Celebration Church or to get in touch with us, please visit celebration.org.